and welcome, and uh, it's going to be a great morning this morning. How many uh, opened their calendar and saw what day on the calendar it is today? Anybody know what day it is besides the 15th of May? It's this day on the calendar called Pentecost Sunday, and it's the uh, opportunity that we're going to look at this morning, and, and we're going to talk about it from the perspective of the first Pentecost Sunday following Jesus' death. So if you want to bear with me, if you want to get yourselves in a spot so you're ready, you can go to Acts chapter 2, uh, you can get your inserts out, and we're just going to kind of flip to a couple spots and then land on Acts chapter 2 and talk there for the morning, and you'll see that in your notes. I don't know about you, but maybe you're like me. When I, as I was growing up, and I heard this, uh, this term, uh, Day of Pentecost or Pentecost Sunday, um, because of my limited knowledge of the, the holidays and the feasts and all this stuff, I just began to assume that it was like a holiday that the Pentecostal church started. I just thought this Pentecost Sunday, the day of Pentecost, was this this day that the, the Pentecostal church kind of put on the calendar and it made it there because of uh, Acts chapter 2 and it was all about this Acts chapter 2 Holy Spirit moment and, and then the Pentecostal church in their uh, birth in the early 1900s, and it was all about that. And this was what the day was and this was the celebration of the day and I quickly found out that I was incorrect. In fact... It's a Jewish celebration. And up until this point in Scripture, in Acts chapter 2, there had been some thousands of years, 1,500 some would suggest, where they had been celebrating this particular feast and this particular day. So who knew it? Here I thought it was only like 100 and some odd years old or 1,000 years old, and yet it's this distant day on the calendar. And it's been celebrated for years and for years and for years. And I'm just thinking, oh, it's all about the Holy Spirit. And it's all about Acts chapter 2. And it's all about the Pentecostal church and the charismatic movement. But come to find out this difference. So what is it really about? I just want to give us a bit of a basis to start on the day of Pentecost. So that we can launch into this moment after when Acts chapter 2 takes place. The day of Pentecost was a, a feast. There were several of them. Annual celebrations that were called feasts for the Jewish culture. These were special times of special, these were times of special worship for them. If we, in fact, look into Leviticus chapter 23, Leviticus chapter 23 begins to explain and talk about these appointed festivals. It talks about uh, a few of them in particular that we're going to quickly highlight. It talks about the, the Passover, feast of Passover, you know, the, the celebration of the deliverance from Egypt when that 10th plague hit and the firstborn of all Egyptians, uh, actually the firstborn of all except for those who put blood around the doorposts, would, would die. And, and that this moment of deliverance, this Passover, and all of a sudden there's institution and there's a celebration, there's this feast that the Jewish culture in, uh, embraced and began to look at. In fact, we know that Jesus celebrated this particular festival, this particular feast with his disciples in the upper room the day before he was handed over to be killed and then three days later rose again. That they were celebrating this Passover that this day, much like many of the feasts in the year after Jesus died, was a different feast for the apostles than what it had been in years past. 
So these feasts give two pictures. They give a picture of, of something that's happening with Israel, and then they give a picture of the future of the Messiah that's coming. So this, this feast of Passover was represented the Passover, the blood on the doorpost, the Passover of the death of death that passed by the Israelite homes. But it also foreshadowed the predicting of the death of Jesus on the cross, the Lamb that would be sacrificed and His blood would be spilled and the freedom that we would have that we talked about in, in Ephesians in our study. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes these words, Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. That they, they get rid of the old yeast, the sin. And yet Jesus is our Passover lamb, our sacrifice, and he bore the cross for us in First Peter For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. And we we see this feast of Passover that that in the book of Leviticus we begin to see. Then we talk about the feast of the unleavened bread. Same passage talks about the feast of Passover and of unleavened bread in 23 verses 5 through 8 and then it transitions from there to this feast of the first fruits the feast of the first fruits every year they would take their first fruit the first fruits of their crop the the israelites and they would offer to the lord thanking the lord for the harvest now this was giving a bit of a picture and a prediction of the resurrection of christ as we read about in 1 corinthians chapter 15 but in fact paul says christ has been raised from the dead he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from death has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when He comes back. This feast of the first fruits, offering it as a, a sacrifice and thanking God for the harvest that Jesus had predicted the resurrection, that after the Passover, that Jesus shared the last meal with the upper in the upper room with the, the disciples and then was uh, handed over, was beaten, killed, and put in a grave. That he rose again on the third day. And then for 40 days, he spent his time with his disciples. And then he was ascended into heaven. And then Leviticus talks about the festival or the feast of weeks, depending on your translation. Or of harvest or of Pentecost. And that's where we land today. 50 days after the Passover. We get to this Pentecost Sunday. Now Pentecost means 50. Imagine that. It means 50. And it always came exactly 50 days after the feast of the first fruits. Leviticus 23 says this. Then the Lord told Moses. And he goes through. Sorry, that's verse 9. I want to go to verse 15. It says, from that day after. The Sabbath 
the day of bundling grain was lifted up as an offering count. Offering. Count off seven weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath. Fifty days later, and bring an offering of new grain to the Lord. For whether you live, bring, for where, wherever, sorry, for wherever you live, bring two loaves of bread to be lifted up before the Lord as an offering. These loaves must be baked from three quarts of choice flour and contains, that contains yeast. They will be an offering to the Lord from the first of your crops. Verse 18 in Leviticus 23, along with this, Bread presents seven one-year-old lambs with no physical defects, one bull and two rams as burnt offerings to the Lord. These whole burnt offerings together with the accompanying grain offerings and the drink offerings will be given to the Lord by fire and will be pleasing to Him. Then you must offer one male goat as a sin offering and two one-year-old male lambs as a peace offering. So here's... This institution of this festival or this feast of harvest. Pentecost Sunday. Where they, they come together and they would bring their grain that they'd make into loaves. And then they would bring uh, ten animals. Seven lambs. One young bull. Two rams. And they would offer this as a, a sacrifice. So we understand the Passover to represent Jesus and his death on the cross. We understand the the first fruits to be the resurrection of Christ. But what does this feast represent? The feast of Pentecost or the day of Pentecost. Gave us a picture and a foreshadow. Of the coming of the Holy Spirit. The birth of the church. And the harvest. On that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were added to the church. And we're going to wrestle through that this morning, what it looks like. So here's this picture of these feasts. And we land 50 days after the Passover, after the resurrection on Pentecost Sunday. And we celebrate what God was doing and what God did to birth the early church. You see, this year for the apostles had been different in all accounts. They'd spent their time with Jesus. They'd had many, uh, three years of these feasts with Jesus. And this particular one was different. These particular feasts were all different. And God was doing something incredible. So what does it look like on the day of Pentecost? What does this look like for us? Acts chapter 2. Verse 1 starts this way. On the day of Pentecost. On this day. So many years ago. Seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection. The believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven. Like like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. In the skies above them. It filled the house where they were meeting. And then what looked like. Flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. On the day of Pentecost, 
something changed 50 days after the resurrection. Something shifted. The early church was born and the Spirit was poured out on all people. So here's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about this day because for me, again, I thought it was all about Pentecostals and their celebration to find out that it actually holds a lot of history and tradition. But that on this particular day, the Spirit came and something shifted and something changed. And I believe that that something that changes at birth the new ch- the early church is something that is shifting and changing within our culture too and can birth and continue to grow the church and it's so important for us so here's what I, here's here I want to look at three things about the day of pentecost from acts chapter 2 from the early apostles from the new church i want to look at it this way the beginning the middle and the end the beginning before this day happened there was this sense of anticipation. You see, there was this sense amongst the believers of anticipation. In fact, there were 120 of them gathered in a room. And they were anticipating something to happen. They didn't know what it was going to look like. They didn't know when it was going to happen. But there was this sense of anticipation in their hearts. Why was there this sense of anticipation? Well, we see in Scripture that on the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. They were all there. They were all together. There was this sense of anticipation. But why was there this sense of anticipation? Why were they looking for something? Why were they excited about something? Why was there something about to happen? How did they sense this? Where did this come from? Well, it all came from Jesus' words when He said, the promise is coming. There's a promise Of the Holy Spirit. You see, they had this anticipation that God was going to do something because Jesus had promised them that the Holy Spirit would come when He left. So there's this anticipation that's stirring. There's this big festival, there's this big feast that's about to take place, and there's this anticipation in their hearts that God is going to do something because they've been promised the Holy Spirit. We see this in Luke's Gospel. When Luke writes, and now I will send the Holy Spirit. Now I will send, Jesus speaking, now I will send the Holy Spirit. Just as my Father promised. Just as my Father promised, I will send the Holy Spirit. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So there's this anticipation of this promise of the Holy Spirit that's coming. They don't know when. Jesus didn't say, stay there until the Sabbath day. And on that Sabbath day, it will happen. He just said, but stay there and wait. So there's this sense of anticipation that's stirring in their hearts because there's been this promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had had talked about it in his ministry with them. In John chapter 14, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. I will give you another, he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. That he is Holy Spirit and he leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. The world can't receive him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later Catch this, he lives with you now and later will be in you. 
So here's the anticipation because of this promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that, that wait here until you receive the promise from the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And stay here until you receive that promise and that power. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, He right now lives with you. But later, He will live in you. There's this anticipation of this promise of Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 continues further down. says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that He is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. That He will teach you and He will remind you. There's this promise of Holy Spirit that's coming. So there's an anticipation that's stirring within these believers because they know that there's a promise that's coming. John chapter 16, Jesus said, But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I have told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. It is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, who's the advocate? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but I can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about me about the future. He will tell you about the, the about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So there's this promise of the Holy Spirit. That's why there's this anticipation that's building on this day of Pentecost, because they're excited and anticipating the promise that's coming. But with the promise came this, the waiting period. There's this great promise and Jesus had said, I am going away so that when I go, I will send Holy Spirit. I will send the promise from the Father that He who's with you now will be in you in the future. That I will send Him and you will have Holy Spirit with you forever. And there's this promise and this excitement and this anticipation. But in it all, there then becomes the waiting period. When will it happen? When? 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 Acts chapter 1. Once when he, Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't leave here until the Father sends the promise, the Holy Spirit. So now there's the waiting period. Now we wait. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, 
you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's this waiting period. There's a sense of anticipation, but now they have to wait. So they're anticipating that God is going to do something, that God is going to send the promise, the Holy Spirit, and, they have, and they're waiting. And there's this waiting period. And sometimes, sometimes the waiting period can be painful. You just want it now. But wait. And God, when it is just the right time, when it is just in His time and in His will, will give you the promise that He made. You see, the early church, about 120, gathered in the upper room, as we read in the next chapter, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. About 120 of them gathered in the room, waiting, 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 holding on to the promise, that the promise that the Holy Spirit was coming, and they had this anticipation that God was going to do something. They had no idea what it was going to look like. They had no idea what it meant. They really had no clue, other than they knew that Jesus had promised it, that God said it was coming. And they were ready and anticipating and waiting. So they're sitting there in the upper room praying together in unity, in harmony, in one accord, depending on your translation. And they're anticipating. But the next part that happens moves from the anticipation to the experience. They're anticipating, they're waiting, they're excited, they can't wait for this moment to happen. And they're in the waiting period and they're seeking God and they're waiting for Holy Spirit to come, the promise. And then the experience happens. And then we read in Acts chapter 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That there's this experience that happens. There's this encounter that took place. Now, to catch what's important here, the day of Pentecost was a big feast. Remember we talked about that? Ever read the scriptures and wonder why there were so many people around the room when when this event took place, it's because they were all coming in for the big feast. So this, this is cool because not only was God preparing, not only was God stirring anticipation, but God moved, as I said earlier, at just the right time. There were people, thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews from all over that were in the city at this very moment because of the feast and the celebration that was taking place. And God moved at just the right time. God stepped in at just the right moment, even though my guess, because of my story of Peter and my understanding of Peter, just like he jumped up in the middle in chapter one and said, hey, we got to find a 12th disciple. He was probably like, when's this going to happen? He's just human. He's waiting. And God, at just the right time, at just the right time, suddenly it says, suddenly, suddenly, they weren't expecting it. They didn't know it was coming. They were waiting and anticipating. And then the experience hit at just the right time when God planned for it to happen. Suddenly, the promise came and filled the believers in the upper room. Pentecost was one of three Jewish festivals in which individuals 
were to journey to Jerusalem and appear before the Lord at the temple with their gifts and the offerings. The city was buzzing and the followers were in the upper room seeking God and God just seeking God just as they were instructed and suddenly, just at the right moment of time, God poured out His Spirit. God poured out His Spirit. And that promise that Jesus said that the Spirit is now, is with you now and the future will be in you was now filling individuals and the Spirit was dwelling within the followers. The experience was not what they predicted. The experiences probably was not what they expected. But God moved at just the right time. And the Holy Spirit filled everyone that was there. In fact, they gave, we get symbols of the Spirit here when it talks about this, this windstorm and the tongues of fire and, and the other languages. We begin to see the symbols of the Spirit. And I won't just walk through it quickly because... Suddenly, it says, suddenly the, the Holy Spirit filled all believers. Suddenly, it said, suddenly there was a sound from heaven. These symbols, these symbols that came were the a roaring mighty windstorm. That this loud sound, this wind began to, to fill the place. I kind of picture it like standing on the tarmac of, a, of a, an airport and the planes leave like... Like just loud and over, oh man, somebody says it, it could have been comparable to, not that I've ever been around them, but like the, the wind of a tornado or of a serious storm, like this this mighty wind. Well, the wind was an, a, an image and a, and a picture of the spirit. It is not seen though its effects are, and it can't be found necessarily, you can't see it, you can't see where it is. But it's in this never-ending supply. And this wind filled the place where they were meeting. It came down like this windstorm, this mighty windstorm. And then the, the scriptures tell us there were these tongues of fire. It looked like tongues of fire appeared above each of the followers. Why tongues of fire, some would ask. Well, it may be that the tongue symbolizes speech and the communication of the gospel, the tongue. The speech and the communication of the gospel. The fire symbolizes God's purifying presence, which burns away the undesirable elements in people's lives and sets their hearts aflame and ignited to, to preach and to share the gospel of others. As a commentary says this, at Pentecost, God confirmed the validity of the Holy Spirit's ministry by sending fire. And well, at Mount Sinai, fire had come down on one place. Remember when the prophet was crying out to God, all the prophets of Baal were crying out to their God that never provided. And, 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 and Elijah cried out to the prophet, or to God, sorry, Elijah cried out to God for fire after the soaking wet. And the fire of God came in that one moment. At Pentecost, fire came down on many believers symbolizing that God's presence is available to all who believe in Him. Remember, Old Testament would have been very uh, for a certain task. This moment when the Holy Spirit comes was all believers. There was this, what appeared to be a flint, tongues of fire appearing above all believers, that the Spirit was filling all believers, not just one for a task, or not just one to fulfill an office, but in fact for all believers. God is anointing all His people. The tongues of fire. And then we have this speaking in other languages. 
We have the mighty winds, the mighty windstorm. We have the tongues of fire and we have the speaking in other languages. The believers began to speak in languages not known or learned by them. They just began to speak out as the Spirit enabled them. The joyous sounds of worship burst forth from the place where they were gathered. And thousands of people in the city marveled at what was happening. Scripture tells us there were some that were standing there. How do these Jews from this place speak my language? How do they never learned it? They don't know it yet. They speak other languages. These people literally, literally, literally spoke in other languages. A miraculous attention getter. For the international crowd gathered at the town for the feast. All the nationalities represented recognized their own languages being spoken. Jews believed that spoken prophecy had ceased with Malachi. The last of the written prophets. They believed that from that point, they believed that from that point on God spoke through the Torah as interpreted by scholars and teachers. So this moment was truly remarkable and an incredible day for the church fulfilling Ezekiel chapter 37's prophecy. So here the Jews from all over believe that prophecy ceased and now they're hearing these uneducated Jews speaking their native languages that they'd never learned. And God was about to do something Incredible. See, there's this experience that took place that just the right time, God stepped in and God moved in a way that they didn't know. They didn't know what it was going to look like. But all of a sudden, at just the right time, the spirit which was around them was now in them. And God burst forth the birth of the early church. God is anointing all his people. They are becoming a prophetic community. The whole church is to be charismatic. The church is to be a a community that proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ to our world. In fact, it leads us from the experience to the byproduct. What happened after? What's the byproduct of this experience? And we find it in the latter verses of Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 2, sorry. Actually, starting in verse 5 all the way through to 39, we begin to see the byproduct, which is that They're empowered to preach the gospel and to share the good news. They stood there amazed and perplexed. Who's they? That would be the the followers, those who were in Jerusalem, those who were witnessing their own language being spoken by people who had never learned it. They were amazed and perplexed. How could this be? How could this be? How could this happen? How can they speak my language? What is going on here? What? What can this mean? They asked each other. What can, what can this mean? How could this be? What could, what could this mean? But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. There's always somebody or someone that throws opposition into what God's doing, isn't there? Oh, they're just drunk. That's it. They've, they've just had a little too much. They're just, they're just drunk. Then Peter. I love Peter. I feel like 
I can relate to Peter. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Here, this is, this is something, and I, this is a side note, because this jumps off the page to me, and I didn't see it until somebody pointed it out to me. But, but look at this. There was Peter, and we all remember Peter, because Peter's the guy who gets up and preaches the message, right? Peter stands up and preaches the message that we're going to hear about in just a second. But, but look what Scripture says. Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. That he didn't go by himself. That there was a group that went forward and they stepped up because the Spirit enabled all of them, not just one, the Spirit enabled all of them, that they were there unified to share the gospel. And so Peter steps up, the eleven come behind him and they shouted to the crowd. They shouted for them to cease their conversation. Listen carefully, all of you, Peter says. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. Some of you think that they're drunk. Some of you think that they've had consumed a little too much. They are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Peter, with his humor, of course, says, Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Come on, my friends. Peter and the eleven step forward to quiet the crowd. No, they say no. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. I will pour out my spirit, not on some, not on a few, on all people. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's a gap in there when Peter then begins to preach. Let me just say this. Peter did not write a sermon that he was sharing with the people that morning. Peter did not spend time studying the scriptures, finding out the the, the proper points to put in place. Peter didn't do any of that. He just stood up when all of a sudden he sees people making fun of them, mocking the movement of God and says, listen, friends, and the 11 stand there and says, stop. It's not that they're drunk. It's that God has moved in power and he begins to preach the gospel. The byproduct of the experience was that they had the power to speak the gospel. They had the power to preach the truth of who Jesus was. Remember the promise that the Spirit will lead you in all truth. And they spoke the truth of the gospel. So Peter replies, each of you must repent of your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children and to those who are far away. So he's saying it's not select few. Remember Joel the prophet said that I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Then I'm saying... That it's not just for you, it's for you, but it's also for your children and it's for all those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Peter stands up and boldly proclaims the message of Jesus. The eleven apostles stand beside him and are there with him as they're proclaiming the gospel. Because of the experience, the byproduct was this, that it empowers you to be his witnesses. 
what's the point of this? what did the spirit do the spirit empowers you to be his witnesses the experience that they had led to this a, a, a byproduct that they were compelled to preach the gospel they were compelled to share the good news of Jesus that the spirit enabled them to be his witnesses to be his witnesses Jesus says this in Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. See, this, this experience wasn't meant to stay within the church and for only for the church. And it's so exciting that it happens within the church that it stays here. It was meant to empower you to be his witnesses to the community and to the nation and to the world that we live in. Because Jesus continues to say, and you will be my witnesses Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This experience of the Holy Spirit produces byproduct, which was this empowerment to be his, his witnesses. And they were to go and to preach the gospel. And they were to go and to share. And they had Holy Spirit with them to reveal truth to them, to help them, to empower them, to strengthen them. Peter just stood up and did it. Peter just stood up and preached as the eleven stood with him. Scripture tells us 3,000 people were added to the church. 3,000 people. 120 became 3,120. Like, there are people that write church growth statistics all the time. That's unheard of. Only because Holy Spirit moved and empowered them. The day of Pentecost, for these believers, at this particular time, was really another feast. But there was this anticipation that God was going to do something. And there was this anticipation that the promise that they were given, the promise of Holy Spirit, was going to come. But there was a waiting period. And then when the experience hit. It blew up. And God moved in so much power. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Acts chapter 2 was great. Well. You know me. And you know how crazy I am. I think it means that. God wants to fill His church today with the Spirit. And God wants to see and empower us to reach a community, to reach Ingleheart, to reach our surrounding area and our nation and our world. And hey, why can't 3,000 people be added to His church? See, I think it starts with an anticipation. It starts with a longing for the spirit in fact it's it's really cool because i just i was i didn't know about it till i saw it on facebook but there was a, a great celebration of azusa street which happened in uh, california where the god's spirit poured out on our nation and there's this birth of the pentecostal church in, in the states which then moved up into canada a few years later and, and i think primarily in winnipeg was a big start toronto and winnipeg some of the major cities and they were having a day where the nation gathered around and prayed for another movement of God. Why? 
Because I think there's an anticipation in the hearts of the believers across this nation for God to do something and for God to move and Holy Spirit to just pour out and empower us to be His witnesses. What does it look like? I don't know. When will it happen? I don't know. But I think it starts with us having an anticipation and a longing for the Spirit to move. So here's what I want to do this morning. Worship team, if you want to come. I want to take time and I want to pray and I want us as a family if you have a need we can pray with you if you want the Holy Spirit to fill you uh, we will pray with you because we, we believe that the Holy Spirit still fills today if you want to uh, if you just want to worship and soak in God's presence you're more than welcome to do so but here's what we want to do this morning we want to take time and we just want to spend it in prayer and in worship we want to set aside this Pentecost Sunday to seek God to have an anticipation that the Holy Spirit is going to move in power. To long for, to pray out, to call to, and to seek His face. To pray if there's those that have need, that God would meet them where they are, that God would heal them where they are. To, to pray that Holy Spirit would fill them with power, that, that, that you would be experiencing a, a, a baptism of the Spirit in your life. And we just want to call on God and seek His presence. So here's, here's the, uh, the simple way to explain what we want to do. In a minute, I'm going to pray. And once I finish praying, we're just going to open our, our hearts and open this room up for prayer, whether you want to stay where you are, come to the front, move to the aisles. Some of our elders, and if their wives are available to pray, we're going to come beside you and pray with you. If you have a need, if you have a request, whatever it is, we want to pray with you. And, and, and once we've prayed and, and you want to do whatever is in, in the presence of God, we're just going to keep worshiping and open this, these altars in this place. And if you uh, have had your time and you're, you're done and, and you want to go down for lunch, feel free to do so. If you want to uh, socialize, we just ask you to do that either in the foyer or, foyer or in, the, in the basement. We just want to take time to worship God this morning. We want to gather like the upper room and we want to seek His face. We want to find unity and harmony and we want the Spirit to move and to pour out on all people to empower us to be His witnesses. And we just want to pray. Let's pray this morning. Holy Spirit, would you fill this place? Scripture tells us. It's Jesus' words that right now the Spirit is with you. But in the future, the Spirit will be in you. And after that moment, on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after your resurrection, the promise came. And the Holy Spirit didn't just fill an individual for a moment. The Holy Spirit filled all the believers that were gathered in the room and empowered them to be your witnesses. So Father, I pray in this room, in this moment, God, would you fill each one of us with your Spirit? 
Would your power fall in this place? Would you stir up in our hearts a hunger and a longing and an anticipation that you would move across our town and our, and our region and our nation? Holy Spirit, would you fill? So this morning we take time. We separate ourselves. And we seek you. And your presence. Father, would you fill us? Would you empower us? And would your spirit come? Lord, would you move in power? Father, have your way in this place. Lord, we we open this entire room to be an altar, to be a place where we can come and find you and seek you and experience you. Lord, fill this place. Holy Spirit, fill us with your power, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.